did they? Oh. I'm excited for this new year. Amen. First, I want to thank everyone uh, here today. It is, and the children are dismissed. I know, thank you. Holy moly. You know, every Sunday when they walk down there, I'm expecting all of you to be praying for them and for those teaching them, amen? The enemy wants nothing more than to attack our children and our kids. So speaking of, we're handing, let me take a couple of those. Thank you. So we are working towards a youth group, right? And so if you have a child or a teenager, junior high teenager that's interested, that would be interested in a youth group, we're trying to gather the information so we can plan accordingly because that is something that we're going to be doing this year. So we're passing out these clipboards. So please fill them out and be in prayer for that, amen? It's hard to compete with society today in the sense that I believe the attention span of most all of us gets smaller as more technology increases. Does that make sense? So back when I was a youth pastor, we just had a phone book. They handed me a phone book. They handed me a list of names and, a, you know, a, a, just basically a notepad and said, make a youth group. So I had to call all the families and I'd ask if their kids would be interested in youth group. And some of the kids would say, yeah. And then I saw the first youth group, they all just kind of came and sat because they were made to come there. We ended up making a band and the kids could invite their friends. And we had just a couple rules that this is going to be music that's going to be glorifying to God, but for you to use your talent. And that youth group actually grew pretty well. It wasn't so much for a lot of preaching. We started with maybe five minutes of the word, but getting to know the kids and having them in a place that was safe, that they could feel like they could express their concerns, their hardships. And I believe it was very fruitful. Today, it's a little different because everyone has phones and everybody's got something going on. And then even in this community, a lot of youth groups have either grown to major events over throughout the year instead of consistent youth groups. Some churches have it, but it also takes a lot of hands and work and people uh, working together, amen? So be in prayer for that. It is something that's gonna happen this year and we're looking forward to it. So I wanted to share that with you. And also what I was saying before that is I wanna thank everyone for the opportunity because it is a privilege to share the word of God with you. I am blessed to do so. I'm very thankful that God has given me the ability to do that. So thank you. And I'm looking forward to this new year, amen? Because there's nothing I want more than all of us to grow as the body of Christ together and that we would actually be a beacon not only on this corner but all throughout Red Bluff. And our prayer should not only be just for our own church and our own community, but also other Bible-believing churches where they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we will be a light. No matter how much darkness is around us, we are the opportunity, we have the opportunity, and God has empowered us to be making a difference and a light in our community. Don't underestimate the smallest things that you do to the glory of God makes a difference. In the smallest little things, the enemy would want to tell you something different, but he's a liar. Amen? So as we get into this, we're still in Romans chapter 12. 
Romans chapter 12. And as we were looking at the historical context, and I've mentioned it because I think it's important, a lot of the times I'll say it over and over again, because when we look at the historical context of when this letter was written, it's not much different than the time that we're in right now. The, the political leader of the time or the emperor of that time was Nero. And he was a horrible guy. He came into uh, authority at a young age, and maybe he started out, he was even a little progressive for his own uh, people at that time, and he had some things that he liked, but he was very treacherous. And in spite of some of the small things that he might have done in Rome at the time, he was truly an evil person. In fact, he was the one that was charged with setting Rome on fire and then blaming the Christians for it. And then the persecution of Christianity, that was the first major persecution of Christianity in Rome at that time. Up to this time, Romans kind of allowed Christians to do what they do as long as they kind of mind their own business or stay out of the limelight. Although there would be persecution in smaller sects because in Roman times, the pagan belief is there, if you didn't pay respect to the Roman deities, in a way, you're disrespecting Rome. And not only that, if you didn't have, that was also when emperor worship was really big. And so if you didn't, you know, look at the emperor or the Caesars as Lord, being Lord, Lord, then therefore you are disrespecting Rome. So the Christians, because they did not participate in what the norm was, back then the religion of the time, the Roman or pagan religion of the time, wasn't so much a private thing, it was a very, very much a social thing. And in other words, in your community, people would know when you didn't participate, and therefore you would begin to start to become persecuted. Paul is writing this to encourage them because in this difficult time, instead of the church coming together and being strong together, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians were bickering and fighting. They weren't getting along. So that's why in Romans 12, when he says he speaks of a living sacrifice, he's getting ready to show them and encourage them how the body of Christ is supposed to function in unity. And the only way that can be is when we give ourselves our will, like last week we talked about, we gotta give God our body, our mind, and our will. And when we do that, we're putting ourselves in a position to not only be used by God and to hear God, but also to contribute to the body of Christ in a way that glorifies the Lord. Amen? So let us continue in Romans. Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. 
If it's serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let leadership let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do so cheerfully. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I believe 100% that is impossible to do without the power of Holy Spirit in our life. We have to have a renewed mind. We have to have a heart that is humble in a place that we're able to put ourselves in a lower position and wait and trust God. To, to bring things to pass. In any, any situation, if you think about it, the only reason we get upset is somehow it relates. Now, some things are injustice and unfair. I get that. But when it comes to serving or the things that we might upset, a lot of the times we'll find it's because we're not getting maybe the attention we need or the appreciation we feel we deserve. At least that's how it is with me. And sometimes I can be offended about things that don't even exist. And I can allow the enemy to just work his tools because you know the enemy doesn't stop. And what I mean by that, he can use innocent bystanders to say the right thing that can trigger something in your mind. And now you're thinking about that hours throughout the day and it's based on zero truth. Does that make sense? When you go as a child of God and you have a renewed mind, you, you take every thought captive and you wonder, does it line up with the word of God? God, what, is it? what are you saying in this? What should I do? How should I act? See, Paul's wanting these Christians to make a difference in the community because it's already a hard situation. Instead of fighting, and as we know, how will they know you're my disciples? By your love for one another. That's why the church is attacked so much in the world today. I believe Bible teaching, preaching churches is because we're all a work in progress. Some think, we, some think if you don't think you are, then... Talk to me after the service. We're all our work in progress. We're all changing and growing, and we need each other to grow to the fullness that Christ would have us grow. It's not a one-man show, right? It's not. It's the body of Christ that makes the difference, that contributes. And just to, like that say, let's go back to the part as we break it down. He says, for by grace given to me, I say to everyone, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Now, there's two views of thought on this. It's like, 
You know, I, I remember there's people like when I was in YWAM, we had a big food table and there was apples. And it, in our particular YWAM, it was a race to get any kind of yogurt and look at the date and see if you got one because they were all out of date. It was whichever one was closest to the healthy date that you feel like it's not maybe bad. I'm not kidding. That's how it was. All of our food was donated, which means it's old. And I remember standing there and then there'd be people like, I'll be last. You go ahead and go, brother. I, I want to allow you to go first. Is that being humble? Not necessarily, right? So there's different ways in maturity. As we mature, you begin to notice. We don't need to have a name for yourself. How about if you're right in a situation, but you know the timing's not the right time? Do you have to present your case? If it's not gonna be the betterment of the person in front of you or someone else, do you have to say it because you know that you're right? See, there's a maturity that we get as Christians when we don't have to defend ourselves. When you know you're in the right position with God, you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to gain the approval of someone else. All of that shows a deeper insecurity in ourselves. When we're mature in Christ and doing the right thing, we don't need a name for ourselves. We just want to glorify the Lord with our life. Easier said than done. It's a practice, it's a day-to-day -day practice. It's not something that you can say, yes, I've achieved, because then you haven't. I remember in my Bible college, I came back and there was a person that was very influential. I, I ran away from Bible college twice. One time I ran away mad, and when I say run away, literally I walked out the door and just kept walking in Novato, and I was going by a sandwich shop, and he comes by in his car, and he's all, hmm, I knew the Lord told me to drive down this road this morning. And I got in the car, and that truly was, I believe, the Lord. I got in the car, he handed me a Bible, and he's like, when are you going to stop running away? Because I was looking at people, and people made me mad. And to be honest, at that time, I didn't like a lot of people, right? And so I was like frustrated with the church. I was frustrated with the intricacies of the politics of it all. It made me angry. I didn't want to be a part of it. And instead of looking at where God would have me sit and learn, I just wanted to leave. And so in that moment, God, he picks, I get in the car and I'm like, that is weird. I am on a back street here and he comes and finds me, right? Takes me back to school. I sit down there kind of pouting and I'm going through the motions and everything. And the Lord's like, when will you just sit and stay? Don't look at them. Look at me, right? A lot of people leave church or fall out of church because either they're not feeling like they're contributing and they want to and they don't know how, or they get their feelings hurt by someone and they take it as that person being the last and only representation of God's love and grace. And they say, well... And as a pastor, I hear it a lot because I talk to a lot of people that no longer attend a church. One, I don't think they fully understand what church is. And two, they were coming up in the faith and something happened. And they just go, pew. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. As the body of Christ, we recognize some of us in this room will be weaker than others in their faith. We're in different stages of growth in our relationship with God. It comes down to, are you willing to serve your brother and sister and actually pray, hey, God, how can I talk to someone today or this Sunday? What can I do to contribute? What are these things I can have? Because when we do that, we find fulfillment, not only for ourselves, but we, we're walking in that sense of purpose. 
in the midst of being in the Bible college and, and, and all of those things, I look back in my life and I can see all the things that I thought were devastating, God used for his glory. He used the things that made me mad and used those situations to reveal who I was, but also reveal who he was. And in doing so, I'm like, man, that was my lesson. That's what I was learning. It wasn't all intellectual. It was character, relationships. How do I fit in society? How can I be a Christian in this world that's fallen and not be one of them, you know, I want people to know who I am and be kind and generous, not the loudmouth Christian with no character. And that takes time. It, comes, it takes us coming into a place of humility. So when it says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, it also means don't put yourself in the lower. If God's given you a gift, it's okay to say, yeah, the Lord has blessed me with this gift. That doesn't mean you're boasting. You know if you're boasting. But there's a difference. Some people are like, well, I'm going to be lowly. There was an ascetic time in the church where people would be so uh, into like, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to eat crackers and wear really heavy-duty wool. And I'm going to let everyone know how religious I am. And I'm suffering. And the whole time, I think they're missing it because the living sacrifices isn't the external things that we do. It's the internal change that takes place that then changes how we act with those around us. Religious form is easy. Being ritualistic is easy. That's easy because you're like, good, I'm done. It's my time. True worship is different. Your time is God's time. And every little thing you do, wherever you're at work and whatever you're doing, if you are seeking him, you are in God's will. It's not always high off in the sky. It's in the now, right? It's in the now. It's either one, someone said to me, it's either one day or day one. It's day one. It's in the now. You can serve and walk with the Lord now and be close to him. It reminds me of a story. Once in a village, there lived a talented violinist. His name was Eli. He was known far and wide for his exceptional skills. And over time, he became so good that people praised him. And then he began to think, you know, I am truly gifted. I am so good. I'm, I'm actually a little, my discipline makes me better than most. In fact, I'm better than most. I'm better than everyone in some way or another. That's how he really felt. And all the praises just puffed his head up and it got bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know that took place is this old man came into town and he was also a violinist. And so he says to Eli, hey, I will I'd like to have a contest with you and if you beat me, I will tell you a secret, a secret that could change your life. And so of course Eli says, well, hey, there's no one better than me. I'd be happy to play you. He scoffed and laughed at the old man. And as the old man began to play, something took place. He noticed that the way this man played was so much different than anything he had ever played. It had so much emotion and passion in it. And Eli, when he played, it was totally different. In fact, all the songs he played and everyone praised, they were no longer looking at that. They were looking at this old man that made that violin sing in a way that they've never heard before. And in that moment, the old man that Eli knew that the old man had beat him. And so he comes over to the old man and the old man says, the secret is this, humility. Humility is the secret, Eli. Once you begin to think, and he says, the secret is this violin is made from old normal wood. 
You see, Eli always talked about how nice his violin was. It was the best wood. And I don't know if you know this, but the best wood for violins only come in one place in the entire world. And it's like really rare to get that right tree in the right way. And so Eli was so proud. And here's an old man that beat him with just ordinary wood. And it was because he was humble. And it put him in a place. And that's the same way it is with our gifts. The gifts of the Spirit isn't to puff ourselves up or a tool to lord ourselves over someone else. Someone truly working in the body of Christ and using their gifts is in humility to lift others up. That is the difference. There's gifts all over in this room. All of you have different gifts. And you go, well, I don't know what my gifts are. Some of you are very analytical. Some of you are very good with money. Some of you are good at, at delegating. Some of you are good at singing. Some of you good, are good at art. Some of you are good at counseling and talking and listening. Some of you are good at contributing. Some of you are great teachers. And I'm sure there's even some pastors in here and preachers. Evangelists. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. All of these are gifts in the body of Christ. And they're made to work together in unison. The thing that happens is we've come in a society, and there's nothing wrong with this. We come to church, and we have a need, and we're like, God, I need you to do this in my life. And the whole time, the way that a lot of those things get met is when we are helping others. And I, I say it because it's true. If you look at it, the church was formed in this diverse time, this intense time. The church grew in the midst of the harshest persecution. They tried to destroy it and it did not work. It grew. Why? We know it's the power of God and the Holy Spirit, yes, but what did the people do? They came together as a unit body of Christ. Unity isn't the way the world is. This unity, we're unified in our belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what unifies us. People go, why is there so many different denominations? I'll make that really simple for you. The main difference in most denominations will come down to the gifts of the Spirit, how much does the Holy Spirit work and function today, and all of those are the two main differences between, you know, more conservative or more Pentecostal. And along those, in those baskets of each one, there are different denominations, or you can go down to Catholicism, which they still kind of believe that the Pope is the vicar of Christ, which has the same authority of Christ, which I personally and we do not believe. Now, is there Christians in there? Sure, there's people in there that probably know that, but God has called them there to be a light. Wherever it is, the Lord will sort it out. The truth is we need to present the gospel in love in this world. And how do we do that in a way that's beneficial for everyone? One is being right with God. Finding your gifts. How do you find your gifts? People go, I don't know what my gift is. Well, pray. Get in the word and pray, and as had you continue to fellowship in the body of Christ, you will begin to see, or someone will tell you, hey, you're really good at this. You're gifted, oh, I don't know if I'm gifted at that. If someone says and mentions something because you're functioning in the body of Christ, you're showing up, you're doing things, you're wanting to help, guess what? That could be a gift. It's very close. It's also really close sometimes to the natural talents that God has given you. See, every one of us can contribute to the Lord, amen? We live in a society where they're wa some water down the gospel. Jesus is a genie. They try to take the, the good teachings of Jesus and they, they want to take that and separate the words from who he said he was. You can't do that. The power of the gospel is that this is the living word. 
It's a living word and it changes. And it, there's two things that happen. It will either change the way we live or we'll go somewhere else mentally or just leave altogether because we will be faced with a decision to make. The more you study, the more you read, but when you go, God, I just wanna know you more, I wanna be intimate with you, we got a new year, God, help me stay the course. And, and don't allow, show me the things that don't glorify you, what I'm letting in my eyes that don't glorify you. Help me know my wrong thinking. Bring it up. That's how I do it. And you know what, the Lord tells me sometimes I don't wanna listen. I'll be honest. Any other day but today, Lord, you know? But the truth is, when I listen, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in spite of whatever's going on. We all live in a time that's un... We don't even know what's going to happen this year. But God does. How many of you want the wisdom that only God can give? Do you know what that is? God will tell you what to do, where to go, and how to do it. He'll give you a peace when the whole world's falling apart. That's the God I know. And that's the God you can know. You know, that's, that's the peace that comes, that passeth all understanding. It's not based on, uh, it's based on an intimate relationship that we cultivate with the Lord. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are many form one body. There are many gifts given to man. And he goes through this whole thing. Don't think of yourself more highly. Let your love be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Don't just sit and talk about all the evil things in the world. What does that do? I don't know about you, but I've learned in my own life, I can allow myself to see certain things and that's all I think about and I spew. I am now being a tool of the enemy, right? Another thing is if you see someone, I don't understand why people say things. If, if, if it's not profitable, don't say it. And I'm not saying I've mastered this, I'm getting better, right? Sometimes your wife or your husband have to tell you. And that's great, that's what partnership is. Hey, you need to stop whatever you're thinking, whatever you're doing, it's not right. You know, that's in love, amen? We live in this time that we need to encourage and call each other out in love, in the right way, and say, hey, whatever you're doing, you're just giving the devil a foothold. It even says that right here. Don't give the devil a foothold, right? In Ephesians, it mentions that. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. These are things that if we, if we add, it, it protects us. Turn with me to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians chapter four. In fact, read all that, go through it, I'm going to pick up in verses, uh, verses 17. But you should read all of Ephesians 4. It goes in with Romans 12 of what we're talking about. It says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with continual lust for more. Sin definitely does bring you farther than you intend to go. You, however, did not come to know Christ this way. Surely you heard of him. You were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 
You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. What do you mean speaks truthfully? How many of you know we have people that will tell us what we want to hear? And oftentimes we avoid those who don't. We've learned that in grade school, haven't we? We go to the peers, people that are like-minded. We're taught in business and sales. And, you know, you got to associate with those who you want to be, right? If you want to be wealthy, you got to associate. you got to fake it to make it. you got to dress it. you got to believe it. you got to speak it. All of these things, and it's all empty. It says here we speak truthfully to our brothers and sisters, right? And encourage each other because if you're doing it in love and in Christ, you won't speak out of turn. You will wait until the Lord opens the door to do so, or you'll feel a heaviness on your heart that now is the time. And what does that mean? People get in downward situations. There are people grieving, going through different cycles. And that's where we pray and ask how we can meet that need or help them. In your home, I don't know about you, but I don't know how I could be even half a, a husband or a father without God teaching me. He's the standard. It's a big standard. But he gives us the ability to do it in him. But let the attitude of your mind Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully. Don't just tell someone what they want to hear because you don't want to rock the boat. We are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. So is it wrong to be angry? No. It's what you do with the anger. If you spew to your wife how the world's going to hell in a handbasket, how that person got elected, all this horrible stuff, that's not beneficial. I did say hell in a handbasket. That's not beneficial, right? Those things don't profit us. You know, it's one thing to be physically strong and, and do all these other things, but we need a mental strength as Christians. You know, you need to be in a place where you give the Lord your mind. You have, sober, you have a sober way that you view and self-evaluate yourself in your life. You, you know whether or not you're being honest, and you don't, you don't play games. You be truthful. You say, hey, I need to shape up, right? And do not give the devil a foothold. That's what's wondering. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And then it follows with this. And do not give the devil a foothold. That sounds like there's one sure way to give the devil a foothold. What is it? That is a question. What is one way that we give the devil a foothold according to this text? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anger. And what? Letting it, what does it mean, don't let the sun go down on your anger? Say it again. Don't go. To, how do we deal with it? Someone wronged us. What do we do? You give them to God. Does that mean you can just literally get down on your knees and say, God, I give you this person. I don't feel like giving him to you. But I pray you bring everything into light and change my heart. I pray this because I can't. I, I know this doesn't glorify you and I want it to be. I want to be different. 
right? Is that giving it to the Lord? How about if, now when I was a jerk, I used to take this scripture out of context, and if I was fighting with my wife, I'd be like, hey, we're not going to bed. We gotta figure this out tonight. Right? That's not the Lord. Out of context, right? Don't let it go down. Deal with it. Deal with it. You know, one thing, it, I'll, I'll say this, because this has helped me earlier in our marriage, and I'll say it again, and I, I, this is a side note. You don't mind it. I hope you don't. Anyways, a side note is this. If, if one way to not, when, with all the things going on, and, and it is, pressing jobs, both people working, and when your kids are little, a lot of stress, kids little running around, demand a lot of attention. Easy for both partners to not feel appreciated in light of all that's going on. And two, what do we do? We outlash on those that we love the most and that are around us the most. In light of that, to not do that in front of the kids and raise your voice or be angry, you say, we'll meet at the table. What is the table? The table is later in that evening, you sit down at a table and no one's allowed to leave. You have to stay at the table and then you discuss whatever you're upset about. And that gives you time to cool off, think about it, and you know you're still gonna deal with it. Does that make sense? So I would encourage you, sometimes it's just too heated to get any, you're not gonna get results, you're just, it's gonna be bad. It's better to take a step back and go, okay, Lord, and by the time you get to the table and you sit down, one talks, the other doesn't talk, you take turns. Rochambeau, I don't care. And then you do that, and you take that moment to discuss it. And that way it's not in front of the kids, it's not and everything going on. Just a simple, helpful note that I think is important because a lot of times we wanna fix stuff right now, especially for men, we wanna fix it. Certain things we can't fix, sometimes we just have to learn to listen, amen? So to be made nude in the attitude of your minds, be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. And do not give the devil a foothold as we go down in 28. It says that he who steals must steal no longer, but must do work and do something with his hands and be useful. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. You know he's speaking to a church, right? This isn't like he's speaking to the bar downtown. You would think that's like what you'd find in your local pub, which you probably do, but no, he's writing this to a church. This is what he's saying to them. Get rid of all these things. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God has forgiven you. Be imitators of God, therefore, dearly loved children. That's amazing, amen? There's one part in Psalm where it's a process in our own personal life to get there. And one thing I do stands out a lot in Psalms, and it goes right in line with Romans chapter 12, because it is about the unity in the body of Christ. First, he says, we have to be a living sacrifice. In other words, we give the Lord our life in order to even function in this capacity. And it goes into how the church is unified. The church in its translation in Clesia is called out ones, set apart ones, but it's also in the terminology that it is a living organism. It's, it's active, it's moving, it's functioning, it's fluid as the body of Christ. But for us to maintain that, we have to look at a few things 
and something that stands out really strong is in Psalm 51. And this is when David knew he screwed up with Bathsheba and he had made a mistake. And he calls out to God in, in, a, in a place of reverence. And this is a good pattern for us to look at for our own life. He says in Psalm 51, verse 3, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I ascend. I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak. And just when you judge, surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from my time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inward parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the, the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's asking for a fresh start. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from my blood guilt, O God. The God who saves me, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. When we look at that in its actual uh, translation, it's derived from the root shabar. It implies something that is broken or shattered in the context of the spirit. It suggests a deep sense of being broken down or crushed, often due to the realization of one's own sin and inadequacy. The other one is daka, which means to be crushed or contrite. It implies humility and deep sense of sorrow for one's actions, leading to a submissive and repentant heart. So when we think about that, humility is truly the key to stay in the right position to grow in the Lord. Does that mean we, that does truly mean that we allow the Lord to defend us, we allow the Lord to guide us, and we allow the Lord to work and change someone else's hearts. Because how many of you know you can't do that, but God can. You can ask the Lord to soften your heart, and when we start with us, we can see clearer to help others but we need each other in the body of Christ, amen? We need a church that is strong and that is courageous and that knows the word and knows the truth because that is what will set us free, amen? Would you stand with me as we get ready to go? In Proverbs 3, it says, 3, 3, it says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that it is living. I thank you that everyone that is here today, that Lord, they got up this morning and they felt that today we're going to church, we're bringing the family to church. Lord, I ask that you would just bless them. And as, even as we go about our day, that we would keep you before us, Lord, that we would be sensitive to your spirit. Lord, those that are struggling in their walk, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them 
that nourishment that they need spiritually, Lord, that, Father, you would overshadow them. Lord, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for your spirit, and I thank you in advance for what you're doing in this church on this corner and in all the lives that are here. I thank you that you're faithful to watch over your word and you perform it. Lord, you know where everyone is, and we are here to glorify you, serve you, uplift you, and be a light in the community. Lord, may we watch what we say, how we act, and how we live, that, Lord, it may be in accordance with your word. May we look for every opportunity to share the hope that we have. And, Father, we ask for you to build, grow, strengthen this body. As we go from this place, if there's a need, that people would be honest with one another and grow together in your love. I thank you for that, and I thank you for your mercy. And all God's people said, amen. I pray that you would go, and if you need prayer, we're here to pray for you. If you have questions, also the podcast is up and the website is up at the church, so please check that out when you can.